Welcome to the IdleLink podcast. I'm JL Corbett, the editor and founder of IdleLink, an online magazine that publishes the weird, the odd, the curious, anything that's a little bit strange. On this podcast, I'll be talking to some writers that I've published in the past and getting to know them as people, not just as writers. My guest today is Kevin M. Kaysen. Kevin is a Latino fiction writer and cardiovascular research scientist currently living in Baltimore, USA. He's the editor-in-chief of Tree and Stone magazine, which launched earlier this year and publishes literary, speculative fiction, art and photography. He's had two stories published in Idolink, Man of the Oak in May and The Binding of Light and Fire in October. So again, thank you so much for being on the podcast. No, well, thank you, Dale. Thank you for having me and for you know supporting me in publishing my story. No, of course, I love the kind of stories that you write. <laughs> so um, oh. I'm always happy to to publish stuff like that. So I thought it could be interesting to start off with um, because we have spoken over email, but we've never talked face to face like this. You- albeit virtually, um, if I could kind of give you my impression of you as a writer and you can okay. tell me if I'm dead wrong. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, here we go. So um, I think that you're quite an intelligent person. Um, <laughs> obviously, because of your job, you would have to be. But it also comes across in your writing as well. It's very sort of the language you use is very considered, very thoughtful writing. Um, and the the stories of yours that I've read, to me, it feels like this very artful joining of, of like speculative fiction with literary fiction which is difficult to do. Um, so I think you're quite quite a thoughtful person, quite an intelligent person, but because the the subject matter, it always seems to be these really strong queer characters in mm-hmm. these really fantastical kind of out of this world settings, mm-hmm. maybe a bit whimsical as well. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that sounds really wonderful. I mean, you can make me cry. I- I think one of the biggest compliments for me is whenever somebody analyzes something of mine, because um, that's kind of what I just love to do. My brain just naturally goes into like analyzing things. Um, so thank you so much for that. Um, I think you are kind of right, spot on. I do try to write um, thoughtfully um, because one thing I do try to do is I really love just language, especially like the rhythm of it. Um, and and just like the word choice has always been very um, important to me, and I do like kind of putting together speculative and um, literary fiction together. Um, mm-hmm. I think one of my favorite authors is um, Haruki Murakami, um, but also Gabriel Garcia Marquez, and um, and of course Tolkien, who I think also beautifully you know marries the two kind of literary and speculative fiction, um, and I I kind of like that. You know, a lot of my stories come from my memory or from emotions that I haven't quite processed because I'm just an emo- very emotional person. Um, and so, so 
but I kind of like fantasy. So I like kind of having that kind of oddness to it where this is kind of like a very real situation and a very real feeling, but it's elves having this emotion, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so you're like, elves have these human emotions. I'm like, yeah, why not? I mean, yeah, that really does come across because the the stories of yours that I've read, it feels um, weirdly relatable in the emotions that the characters have. But like you say, the the fantasy element is so strong that you're like, why am I relating to an elf? This is bizarre. <laughs> no, I love that. Like, I mean, because Tolkien did the same thing, right? Like, you can relate, I think, at least I do, to to Bilbo and, and Frodo and, and anybody, right? Like, even if you want to go to that length, Sauron a bit, not to get into mm-hmm. a huge discussion of Tolkien, but um, you, know, you can kind of relate to Sauron, who was kind of afraid of of, of people, right? Like he was afraid of of, of men. But let's not go into that. Um, <laughs> but I, I kind of love that that element of this is a human situation, and I'm putting, which I guess a lot of speculative fiction kind of does that, but I do feel it's a little bit more genre focused, like it's very content, um, I call it, con- content um, focused. And I've been trying to kind of figure out how to get there, but I kind of naturally go in this direction, I feel, in another direction of of tying the whole story around an emotion or a theme of, an emotional theme or a human yeah. theme. I think it's a, a good direction, to be honest. I mean, you've got to follow what feels right to you as a writer. Exactly. Yeah, and I do write a lot about queer characters because my stories, you know, they're coming from my memories and my emotions. And a lot of it was from um, growing up queer and I couldn't really understand what it was like to be um, gay. And, and, you know, I do tend to dwell a little bit, I think, in what I, what I call the homosocial kind of boundary mm-hmm. because that's how I lived. That's how I grew up um, in Miami. I didn't, you never really knew if somebody, if another person was gay and you had to kind of be careful with that, you know, um, even if you did feel like they were being a little flirty or if you got like a vibe, um, you did have to kind of be careful. And so I did kind of have that, um, yeah, that's kind of the memories that I grow up with. Um, and I tend to put them in my stories, although maybe I am trying to be, lean a little bit more into the queer romantic side. Um, and that's the other element of my stories. I've called them kind of like literary romance fantasy. And I don't mm-hmm. quite know what the word is or the kind of... So it's hard to kind of figure out sometimes if I'm a good fit in a magazine because I'm like, I'll read the, the magazine and I'm like, my stories don't look or sound like, or yeah, I don't get this. I don't feel like I'm in this. So yeah, it can be difficult submitting to magazines. And at the, I mean, you don't just want to send them more of the same of what they've already got. You, you do want to kind of innovate and um, have your voice be distinctive, but then you think as well, well, they're just going to turn me down <laughs> if, yeah. it's, if it's not in their wheelhouse. But personally, I really love those stories that don't really fit anywhere else or, like you say, where you can't even put a word to what genre it might be in. 
mm-hmm. um, which I, I feel is your stories. <laughs> oh, thank you. That that's a huge compliment. I like that. I like. I don't want to. I don't like. There's a there's a great quote that I love by um, Brene Brown where she talks about. I don't know if you know Brene Brown, but she has like this distinction between fitting in and belonging, and and like fitting in is like assessing a group of people and trying to kind of put yourself into there based on mm-hmm. those characteristics and like belonging is just like you're just there like you're yourself truly and authentically and that's kind of what i'm trying to do is like i don't have kind of a genre that i want to ascribe to because now i'm kind of doing the same i'm trying to do the same thing in science fiction where i'm trying to do the same kind of literary romance but instead of fantasy i'm like can i use science fiction elements so can i use like a robot kind of like what i think of like in murder bot i kind of get that kind of sense or vibe in murder bot so i'm like hmm could i do something like this yeah um, i think it's always good to experiment um oh. and even if it doesn't turn out to be pure science fiction i mean science fiction is such a broad category anyway um yeah. you could probably get away with a lot <laughs> oh yeah for sure i think you know i and that's the other problem is like my job is is science it's yeah a scientific job so i try to write science fiction but sometimes it's hard because i'm trying i'm like okay how can i put my research into this but i'm like i study mitochondrial biology it's kind of hard i feel sometimes to write about it i don't know i don't know how to make it human you know what i mean like yeah. into like <laughs> a story so do you feel like you have um maybe not so much of a big divide between you as a research scientist and you as a writer like do the two kind of mix together um not often because i can't there have been a few stories where i have tried one was published in um high or magazine is it called you you can never offer life that was the name of the story. you can never offer life and it was um I had read a story I had read an article um in grad school about um these um how you could make um stem cells that kind of like self divide. Mm-hmm. And it was like a really cool experiment. And then I think they put it into mice and they were able to like make them or create mice that were viable also, like they could actually give offspring. And I was like, how freaky. Like you could put in these genes and these things and just make a cell kind of develop into its one cell develop into a a whole organism that could then go on and mm. do its its live its life i was like how sci-fi and so i made kind of like a dark sci-fi kind of story um out of it and probably picked it up um and i have another one that's in my trunk that's about like um, it's a woman who she's trying to. Um, uh, I was trying to think of like free bionics kind of thing, bionic people, and like she's like kind of trying to test out how to make a bionic person. So she starts with her heart um, and her skeletal muscle. So she kind of augments it, and she's trying to like get across the the, the country for some reason. I forgot the plot, but like those are kind of the only two stories that have kind of stuck my science into um that sounds fascinating 
You really but need I to get that second anything. one published <laughs> so I can read I, it. I have to finish. I have to keep working on it. Um, I haven't quite got it because, like, that the story is kind of more centered around what I would think about, like, kind of content-wise. Like, I had the idea for a content mm-hmm. of, of this bionic. But this is it's kind of what I was saying. Like, I have kind of trouble doing the kind of solely content. I feel like I have to put, like, an emotion or, or something or a theme of some kind behind it. Mm-hmm. Kind of give it, like, gas. And I guess with, um, certainly with like classic sci-fi, if you want to call that, it was always very um, sort of disaffected language. Like there wasn't too much emotion in there. Um, Not so much the case now with modern sci-fi, but it definitely seems to to be more of a challenge to put emotion into sci-fi than perhaps to put emotion into fantasy stories. Yeah, because, you know, you have to kind of, it's science, so it's almost like we kind of have this idea of, like, science is not supposed to be, is supposed to be logical. There's no yeah. creative energy in there. There's no emotion in there. And as an emotional, creative scientist, I'm like, I disagree. <laughs> I, I think that there is definitely that in there. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to see um, what can I put into the story, um, kind of bring it to life. Um, yeah i have to say that this image of a writer who's also a research scientist is just fascinating (laughs) to me yeah just like it's such a dichotomy um i mean clearly it's working because your stories are fascinating but that that just image is just i love it um so i have to ask as one editor to another Mm -hmm. Honestly, how stressful has it been creating your own magazine? <laughs> it it's been a bit stressful because I kind of overcommit myself, but it's but it's been a lot of fun, especially mm-hmm. as I started to kind of create the other um, issues. Like now, I have general, not just the general issues, but I also do the queer as F issues, and I have a new one, the Para el Pueblo. Um, which is about, which is for Latina writers um, or anybody who identifies as Latina. Yeah, um, I, I saw with that one you were accepting work in Spanish and English. Yeah. Which is quite cool. Yeah, and also translated works. Um, and so, kind of, and also created nonfiction. So, this is the first time I've kind of opened to something that's not fiction. Um, mm-hmm. And so, I'm, I'm, we're, I'm trying it. We have um, a guest editor for that issue, um, AP Thayer. Um, who's also a wonderful, wonderful writer. Um, and so I'm kind of trying to, yeah, it's been kind of a, uh, uh, difficult to kind of bring the three together, but mm-hmm. I, I had to close um, general submissions in November only to kind of get myself organized because um, yeah. I am falling behind a little bit um, with reviewing the stories and everything. But um, That happens so easily, honestly. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my god, I have to, I have to get this together. Um, but it's yeah. been a lot of fun. I, I really enjoy it. It's been so great being able to support other writers um, and just putting together an issue, which is its own creative kind of endeavor. Like, I never know what stories I'm going to get, and I purposefully don't put themes. Um, yet, as I go through it, I'm not really thinking about a theme. 
But as I go through it, sometimes themes kind of develop just naturally. Yeah, I've noticed that as well. It's the strangest thing. Um, But I kind of love it when that happens. Um, And you suddenly release an issue where it's all sort of like love stories (laughs) or or whatever it is. Um, So what made you want, in the first place, what made you want to start your own magazine? Part of it was I really enjoyed um, the process of editing and um, developing stories. Like I said, like my... My brain is just naturally like analytical. I like to kind of break things down and analyze them. Mm-hmm. And part of doing that, I feel in in editing, um, is really helpful. I kind of like understanding. Okay, I see why you're doing this, and maybe this might work a little bit better. Give this line a try. Um, and so I really enjoyed that. But also that I get to curate my um, stories and stories that I really enjoy and that I really would just love to sit down and just read like an entire issue on my own um that those are kind of the two things that really um made me want to do it but also i mean the third is to give back to the community because i feel like the writing community has been very welcoming to me i haven't you know i've been writing for a long time this was kind of the first time that i've actually gone out to see if I could publish anything. I was like, who would want to publish my story? Um, but, you know, everyone has been really welcoming and, and has supported me and helped me and, and taught me. Uh, and so I think that that's been, I wanted to kind of give something back in whatever way I could, which is yeah. maybe I can help support other writers and, you know, pay them, but also to promote, help promote their stories. Um, so hopefully we'll be around for a while. Yeah, that that's the part that I love as well is just being able to to support other writers and because I think writers really hate to do self promotion. Mm. Um, a lot of people kind of liking it to bragging, which it isn't. It's just promoting yourself, no. and it's got to be done. But I understand why people feel that way. Um, so I just promote it for them, <laughs> and I love that part of it. Yeah. Um, so obviously you, you touched on the issues um, that you have running for queer writers and uh, Hispanic, Latino, Latina writers. So how important to you with your magazine would you say that representation is for those groups? I think it's very important. Um, so I love queer stories or stories written by queer writers, but especially if it has um, the story has queer characters. Um, I just tighten them up. So I was like, especially if they're romance, queer romance, especially in a fantasy setting. So if you're doing kind of exactly the same kind of genre-less kind of thing I'm doing, I will eat it up. Um, so I, I really wanted to kind of find some more of those stories and, and to just help promote um, the queer community, but also Latina stories. Um, you know, I don't feel like there are a lot of um, speculative fiction magazines that are for Latina um, uh, writers. There are there are um, a couple. I will acknowledge them. I will shout mm-hmm. out Alejibre, um, I believe is the, the name. Um, there's the Latinx Lit Mag, which I have a story coming out in there. Um, and there are some more that I'm sure I'm forgetting, but um, they're, they are out there, so I don't want to discount them either. But I was like, maybe I could do one more thing. 
you know, I have this kind of platform for I don't know how long. Let me see if I can do the same thing. Maybe I can help promote um, these stories. Um, so those, I mean, I wanted to because there are two facets of my identity. I am queer, but I am also Latina, and and they're kind of two important arms for me. So I want to say maybe I can meet other writers, a who are also mm. doing this work, but also can I support them and can I, you know, with my kind of limited platform, kind of help boost um, their names and recognition as well. It's been very important for me. Yeah. It's always a good thing to do. Like you say, whilst you've got the platform, if you can make a difference, why would you not? <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't, it's not really, I mean, it does cost a lot because it's the, it's more the time to oh, yeah. put together the issue and format it. Like I'm in the middle of trying to do that now um, for the Queer as F1. It's like, oh, I can get it done by this month. Um, and I can, but I'm just like, okay, now I have to, Kind of rush to, to put this issue together, make sure everything is edited nicely and formatted correctly, and um, and also read the general stuff so that I'm not falling behind there and, and kind of moving between the two. Um, yeah, but it's like I said, I kind of I tend to overcommit. Oh, so do I. I have really big ideas, and I think, oh, that would be so much fun to do. Let's do it, like making a podcast, and then I start yeah. doing it. And I realize, oh, this is about 10 times the amount of work I thought it would be. <laughs> this is going to take more than I thought. Yeah. And then you have your, your, right, you know, your day job and then the rest of your life. And you're just like, okay, okay, time management. Let's, let's put schedules together. You know, that's why I kind of have, I had to kind of close submissions for a little while in November and December because I'm like, I need a minute to, yeah. to be like, what am I doing? What are we doing? Okay, so we have, okay, we're launching these three kind of series issues. How do I organize them? Do I do, because I originally set out to do, I think, an issue every other month, like every two months. Um, because I was like, oh, I'm getting a lot of submissions, and maybe I am accepting a little bit um, more than I should, but I kind of like yeah. the, the, the number that I accept. Um, and so, but you know, I kind of like my schedule. But now, as I also open the clear and as F and the out of Pueblo issues, I'm like, okay, maybe I need to reorganize this schedule so that they're not, you know, it's not an issue every month. <laughs> I'm yeah. not publishing twelve issues in one. No, no, no. I'm going to drive myself. I was actually going to ask you, how do you balance um, being an editor with like your own writing and, and your job? Because I really struggle with it and I'm just constantly, constantly busy. And like the calendar on my phone is a mess. It's just mm. to do lists all the time. But I sense that you're probably quite similar to me and <laughs> that yeah. you just kind of dive into things. Yeah, I definitely had to kind of learn. Um, kind of almost like boundaries and especially with my job like okay I'm going to do this for um, my job you know during the week kind of deal with the job if I have to let it spill into the weekend okay um, and then with the writing I tend to write only in the morning or um, before I go to sleep um, mm -hmm. 
So that's kind of the two times that I more productive. I try to write during the day, but I can't. Like yeah. I'll sit with the document open, fully intending to edit or read it, and I'll just be watching TV. Like, oh, same. So I'm just like, why am I? Why is this open? <laughs> but yeah. In the morning, when I wake up as I'm, eat, as I'm drinking my coffee, I'll definitely write. Or before I go to sleep, I have my phone out and I'm writing on the, on the thing. Yeah. Or if I have a dream in the middle of the night, I'll wake up and be like, <laughs> oh, this is a great idea. A lot of writers now seem to write on their phones. Um, yeah. I'm noticing that's a bit of a trend. And it probably is quite a good way to, to do it. So you're just writing in little bursts. Because for me... I don't write on my phone just because I get annoyed even with texting. So yeah. writing on my phone is probably not good for me. But um, I mean, I find that it's really difficult to prioritize my own writing. Like if I have a conflict, I'll always pick IdaLink stuff over my own stuff. Um, and it's now at the point where I haven't had a story published in like over a year so maybe I should start like trying to write on my phone before bed or something just to <laughs> keep that little bit of momentum going. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I think it's like right now I'm not doing too much um, writing. I forget when was the last time I wrote, something, but um, I just haven't been feeling it. Um, mm. That's how it goes sometimes. Yeah, I don't have, like I said, I kind of work on emotion or memories and right now, there isn't kind of like a persistent one that's been nagging at me. So I haven't, I mean, I had some dreams about, and usually that's where I get a lot of my inspiration from, honestly. Like I'll have like a weird dream. I'm like, that sounds interesting. Um, let me, let me write that out. I haven't had anything recently, but I think I'm also doing in the same boat. I'm kind of trying to focus on, um, the magazine because mm -hmm. I'm like, I have all these commitments and I need to, work on these uh, i have to work on the magazine <laughs> because you know i don't need anybody upset with me and i want to make sure that yeah. i put out a good product i guess there's people depending on you for the magazine whereas with your writing it's kind of just you that's my perception of it anyway so i think well i've got people waiting on stuff so i really should respond to some emails rather than just yeah. working on this weird little story <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like people people sent you their story, and while yeah. I do allow simultaneous submissions, and you know, people do want to know what I think of the story. You know, am I going to accept this? Am I going to reject it? What are we? What, what's going on? Um, and and also to put out a good quality story. Like I mm. try to make sure that you know I do really good line editing. Um, they're all formatted correctly, and and I have a presentable um, issue. Um, so I, 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 that takes time. So like mm -hmm. today and tomorrow, I'm probably going to work on the Queer is Up issue because I need to get that kind of finished. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is kind of like, it is a balancing act. And it's also being really kind on yourself, I think, yeah. because like if I don't get to writing, like I have a novel that I'm trying to, I've decided I want to self-publish it because that's kind of what feels right to me. Mm -hmm. um, that I've been working on for a couple of years now. And so I have kind of the cover art that I kind of commissioned. And so I finally have it. Um, and I have to finish editing the document because I wrote it a couple of years ago. And I haven't kind of really looked at it 
again, I've kind of developed a little bit better, I think, as a writer and editor. So I'm like, let me go back to the story and really do an edit now with what I've learned. Um, and I haven't gotten to that. And I'm like, Kevin, it's okay. Like, you can't, you, you, you have other things that you need to do right now. You know? Yeah. It's okay. That story is not going anywhere. It's going to sit there. Nobody is, I don't think anybody is anticipating. <laughs> There's no hype <laughs> being built up about the story. Like, do your, do what feels right to you. And so, what feels right is I have to finish this, the stuff for this magazine. Um, and then the stories will come when they come. So when you say with this novel um, that you're going to self-publish because that feels right to you, um, what kind of went into that decision? Because I've been wondering about maybe self-publishing some of my own stuff, but I'm not sure what the benefit would be um, versus trying to go the traditional route. I, I think I think in the traditional, I mean, I, I, I've never been traditionally published for a novel, but um, you know, I feel like there's more, it's maybe it's a money-making kind of apparatus. Like that's kind of what you want to do. Like that's mm -hmm. your career, right? You, you, gonna, you want to dedicate time and energy into this. Um, and I do want to do the same thing in the self-publishing realm, but I'm not really out to make money. Like that's not, I don't want this as kind of like a job. This is, and I've been working on this story for a long time and I really love it. Um, and I don't really feel like going through um, the querying agent kind of route. I mean, it's such a brutal thing to have yeah, to do. And I already do that with short stories, but right? like I, in short fiction, you kind of go through the whole rejection cycle yeah. um, a lot. So I didn't want to do that with this one. And I'm like, I can kind of create my own kind of story, like, my own publishing thing here. I've, I've been doing it with this magazine. I can, I can do it with this novel. And maybe the next one, I will try to do the querying um, yeah. thing. But this one, I'm like, I don't feel like this is one I want to go out and do. I, I, I mean, I really sat with it for a while. And during my whole kind of publishing journey now with short fiction, I've been kind of sitting on this novel and listening to what other people say and how they feel. And I'm like, I keep coming back to self-publishing. And I don't know how I'm going to do it, like what venue to do it through. But I'm like, I, this, this feels like what I want to do because I want to get, this is book one and I intended it to be a trilogy. Mm -hmm. And I've already started book two and so I'm like, let me just put book one out, see what happens to it. Keep writing book two, maybe self-publish that one. You know. I love writing and I don't really care too much about making, I don't want to be a best-selling author. Yeah. Like I'm okay <laughs> with where I am. If one person read it, fantastic, even if they hated it. That's a good place to be, honestly. No, I don't need to be, yeah. I don't need to win the Pulitzer. I'm okay. I'm, I think I'm okay that's warrior. a really healthy outlook to have because I think, like, I mean, we all started writing because it's fun, right? Mm. Um, but I think people sometimes get caught up in the whole um, 
money-making aspect of it and the prestige, um, which which I think gets in the way of genuine creativity. And I guess with self-publishing, you would have far more creative control than you would ever have if you went down the traditional route. So that's a big plus as well. Yeah. And it, 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 for me, it's a little bit less stressful because I yeah. don't have to. Um, I mean, the thing that I honestly, the thing I don't like is that I don't want to do the querying part. I don't mm -hmm. want to do the rejection thing. I'm kind of tired of, I don't want to do it too much anymore. Like the short fiction route, I get it. I'll do my, um, you know, I'll, I'll go in there and I'll um, get the rejection because it's a little bit easier to write another story. Like, yes. I don't have, it's a thousand words, 3,000, 5,000 words. I don't have a hundred thousand word novel that I need to rewrite, you know, and then, and then try and query or write another hundred thousand word <laughs> novel. Like I'm Who not Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> I can't just pump them out like that. So like, I don't feel like going through that kind of um, cycle. So I just want to put it out there into the world. Cause I'm like, this is a queer epic fantasy story. You know, I've got, you know, this druid that I really love um, writing about and this other elf that I really love writing about. And I just kind of want to finish this beautifully, this story that I really love and I enjoy in this world that I built so that I can move on either to book two or I started in another sci-fi novel or story. I don't know if it's going to develop into a novel. I have an idea for that it'll be mm -hmm. a novel, but I don't know. Maybe start working on that one too, because I have this other world. Um, or maybe do more short fiction. I don't know, but I feel like this story, I want to put it out. I just want it out there. Yeah. I don't care if nobody picks it up. Nobody has to pick it up. Nobody has to read it. I'll be okay. If, <laughs> you know, it's just out there in the world. Um, that's kind of just been my, my attitude. Honestly. Yeah. And self-publishing is so much more accessible now. Um, yeah. It's easier to do than it perhaps would have been 20 years ago. So I think it's a, it's a viable choice. Yeah. It, and, and, you know, if you want to do the traditional, go, go for it. You know, I'm, I will support you. Of course, go ahead and do what makes you feel good. If you I mean, even if it's not about a prestige thing, even if it's not going to win you the nebula, you know, if you want to do the traditional because you want that kind of road, that's cool too. Like, oh, definitely. Each their own. Everybody go do. Though go I do would say, joy. <laughs> I would say to anyone going down the traditional route, you've got to have like no ego whatsoever prepare for so much rejection because like you say it's I can deal with it when it's short stories um and I feel like I'm at the point now where I'm just fully hardened to it like yeah. if I get a story rejected it does not bother me whatsoever but if I if it was a full-length novel that I'd spent maybe a year working on that would that would sting <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a hundred thousand word story. Well, I mean, if you're, I wrote an epic fantasy, so it's got to be, I guess, yeah. That thing. But like, even if you wrote less than that, that's a lot, and that's a lot of time dedicated, and the and the intimate connection, I mm -hmm. guess, you have to have with your characters and the plot. Like to just be like, 
okay, this is going nowhere. Let me write another one. Like, that's a lot of energy. But then again, I, I do have, I do split my time. So it's not like, I'm not Brandon Sanderson. This is not, I'm not a novelist. Yeah. Like, I, this is not the only thing I do. I write short fiction. I edit a short fiction magazine. I have another, um, a day job. So, you know, to sit down and say, I'm going to write another novel is not a, a small feat. I'd have no. to neglect one of them, you know, one of the other things. Because I have to sit down and do this. Um, I had that time when I wrote this novel because I just had grad school and that was it. I wasn't writing short fiction or editing or anything. So I was like, I really love Tolkien and let me see if I can write a queer version of Middle Earth or The Lord of the Rings. So let me just try this. Um, and, and it came out into a novel. So, um, yeah, I didn't have any, any other commitments, but now I do. So it's, it's kind of a lot. Yeah. I think I struggle with the thought that I'm not able to do everything <laughs> that I no. want to do. Something's got to give at some point. I just want to be able to be a novelist and a short fiction writer and a magazine editor and also make money somehow. <laughs> yeah, I think it's so, you know, I, I get that way too. I get what I've, I've been realizing, I guess the word is um, dogged. I get, mm. especially if you tell me there's something I can't do. Yeah. I'm like, why can't I do it? Of course I can do it. Watch, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to prove it to you. It's my, I guess my imposter, like, how dare you <laughs> I can't do this. I'm going to go and do it. In a way, it is good to have that kind of tenacity. But then on the flip side, you can't run yourself ragged. <laughs> yeah, and you say that about everything. Yeah. <laughs> about, yes. I can write, I can bake a cake, a beautiful 14-layered cake, or <laughs> how dare you tell me no. Well, Kevin, you have to go and write this story. No, I have to go write it. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, balance is hard, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, something I wanted to ask you as well was if you could change anything about the writing community, what do you think you would change? I don't, I, I feel like we, the writing community has been very um, helpful to me mm -hmm. and they've really taught me a lot about, um, about writing and how to write and, and, um, I guess one thing is um, critiquing because when I started um, into this kind of world, I, it was a bit difficult for me to do critiquing, but I kind of had to find my people to do it. And I just want to say, you know, I, I feel like a lot of times it can be very hard. Um, mm -hmm. I don't feel like it does it. I don't know if it happens so much anymore, but before it was very harsh critiquing like people it was the thought that you had to be kind of harsh um to be a good writer like if i was coddling if someone was being coddled you weren't doing a good job of critiquing and i disagree i don't think like it's important to be critical but constructive to mm. be kind of like and to i think it's helpful to the critique in the frame of a opinion that this is a suggestion this yeah. is what i think 
you should do of this story. And this is what I think is not working. I, I don't think that this plot is working. I don't feel like, I don't feel the tension here. I don't feel this. Yeah. You know, because I've had stories that were rejected or people said awful things about them. And one of them was the first story that you published, The Man of the Oak. I submitted that oh, really? to, I remember, yeah, I remember submitting that to a, a forum and it was like, you know, this is awful, da, 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 nobody likes this, da, 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 da. and I was like, okay, thank you, like, but I had been through it enough now to kind of understand where people were coming from that I was able to kind of just shrug it off, but I know that if I was still the same Kevin when I was, when I was starting, and I got that kind of feedback, that would have destroyed me. Yeah. I wouldn't have liked, you know, people telling me this is not good, this is not, you know, I don't understand this, da 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 da, da. And, you know, and I had those feedbacks when I was starting. And I just want to say, like, maybe don't do that. <laughs> like, maybe don't be so mean to... I can't I'm, you're, believe It's just another that. writer, right? It's another writer. Like, why would I you... Know. I mean, I I love that story. I can't believe that people were so negative about it. But I mean, it really shows how subjective this whole industry is. Like, oh, yeah. I think when you say you should frame it as a, as a suggestion, that's probably the best way of doing it because there is no right or wrong way to write a story. There's just what certain people like. And not every story is going to be for everyone. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. People do get very harsh with their feedback and it's almost never warranted. Um, I remember I had a story rejected. I can't even remember what magazine it was now. It was a few years ago. But they gave me some unsolicited feedback mm. and they said that I used too many British words and that was weird. And I was like, I'm British. Well, you're British. <laughs> All of the words were British. <laughs> what exactly? And you know, I I totally get that. Sometimes I forget that I am an American writer, and you know, I might get a story where the word is spelled with a British or non-American yeah. um, spelling, and so I'll like go in and I'll correct it, and then I'm like, wait, or somebody else has to tell me, no, this is not the American way of writing. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. But I would never like reject it for that reason. Yeah. Or, yeah. I, I feel like being the editor now, I kind of understand the other side of it. And I try mm -hmm. not, I don't provide feedback. No, I don't either. I don't feel like it's helpful. No. Like, I'm, I'm just like, this is just my opinion. You know, who cares what I think? If, you know? Yeah. It, I'm I, not reading your story for crap. <laughs> no. <laughs> I used to offer feedback in the very, very early days of Idlink, but it got to the point where <clears throat> where I was saying to everyone, this is just my opinion and this is just what I feel. And I started to realize, well, this feedback isn't isn't doing them any good because it's just so subjective. So why am I even offering feedback? Yeah. And they could send it to, I don't know, Clark's world and you yeah. will be like, this is amazing. And yeah. I'm like, okay. I mean, this happened to me where people will send me a story and I'll see it on Twitter or something that, oh, this was rejected 30 times. I'm like, what do you mean this was rejected 30 times? This is an incredible story. Like, yeah. why did they reject it? 
And I'm like, is this subjective? I had, um, I just, I was reading submissions for Idol Link last night and I sent out an acceptance and the writer came back and told me they'd been trying to place this story since 2015 Oh and God. it had had it was just declined every single time and reading it i thought who would decline this story like it's amazing <laughs> it's more about finding the right home for your exactly. story it's the people it's finding yeah. your people who are the ones that kind of are resonating with your story and you know sometimes the same editor the same writer will send me a story and i'm like i didn't like this one it just wasn't, yeah. from, it wasn't my vibe, but maybe the next one will be. I mean, I definitely love the first one. So, you know, just, it, it is a kind of, it is a subjective game. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the important thing to remember always is like, these are our opinions. These are yeah. what we think and all we can offer are suggestions. Even if Neil Gaiman himself came down and said, Kevin, I think you need to change this about your story. I'll be like, thank you, Neil. Like, I love you. <laughs> but, I don't, but maybe I don't agree, you know? Like, it's okay. Oh, my God. Our Lord and Savior, Neil Gaiman. Exactly. Well, I probably would do whatever he told me. Yeah, I just, if he told but, me, yeah. make this into a crime novel, I'd be like, okay, I'm like, doing Okay, it. I don't know how to do it, but sure. <laughs> Neil's all Okay. <laughs> We'll finish off with a reading of um, The Binding of Light and Fire. I know you've pre-recorded it, so we'll insert it in through the magic of technology. Um, but I'll just give a little little bit of context as to um, what I liked about this story and why I decided to publish it. So this was your second story in Idlink. So when you sent it, when you sent it to me, I was already familiar with your work. So I kind of had an idea of what sort of story it would be. Um, I was excited to see another submission from you for oh, that reason. Um, so it is a queer love story. Um, so was the first one, but this story felt so different from the first, almost like it was set in, in a different world, um, mm. which really just goes to show when you say queer love story like it's such a broad kind of genre with so many different possibilities in there um and it was sort of i'd maybe place it as as magical realism um mm -hmm. told in a very sort of gentle thoughtful manner the two characters in there um they kind of had shades of romeo and juliet in a different universe mm -hmm. perhaps um mm -hmm. so for me i thought it was really creative i loved all the magical elements um so yeah i i loved it for that reason oh, thank you so for you what inspired this story so this was a memory that i've had a very vivid memory that i've had when I kind of first realized that I was gay um, and it was in middle school and I kind of on the page kind of put in the whole scene like that's kind of exactly oh, what wow. happened and that's what I was kind of picturing in my mind um, trying to kind of recreate that area of, of Miami and um, and trying to capture what I felt with um, like this person, this 
well, he was a boy at the time, but, um, who came up to me randomly. Like, I rem all I can remember is, like, showing up to this, that weird hallway at the end of the school, and he just, like, bounced up to me and was like, hi, this is, <laughs> and gave me his name, and I was like, who are you? <laughs> and he was just like so magnetic and just like so beautiful that I was that's that memory has stayed with me and he's he he was a really good friend to me back in the day we don't talk too much anymore but I'm just like that was a memory that had stuck with me for a long time and I was like let me see if I could put this in a story and kind of capture that moment and because I like I always do something with a fantasy element i was like let me kind of twist this a little bit so that this is not just you know this explicit memory but there's something weird about it they're light benders because mm. i love avatar the last airbender um it did so remind like, me of that <laughs> yeah so i was like let me do let me play on that a little bit i've always liked that bending kind of um theme that they do so i'm like Instead of like bending the elements, maybe they're just shaping the light and darkness. Because that's another thing that I really enjoy doing. I love the magic between light and and dark, and kind of how are the how are you manipulating or bending light and, and dark. Um, so, yeah, it it really was that very vivid memory that I've kept with me my whole life and um it still brings me some joy when i think about it i'm like oh this was a nice moment yeah it, it reads very joyful i have to say okay through the magic of technology this is the binding of light and fire by kevin m Kaysen. his name was brandon is what i remember and he taught me everything i know about light shaping I met Brandon when I was 12. It was the first day of middle school, and as I approached the end of the single off-pink painted building and the wide hallway with the four doors that would be our classrooms, from the shadows, Brandon appeared. Hey, you must be new, he said, and gave me his name. His amber eyes, like two crystallized stars aglow in the night sky, and his soft lunar smile invited me into his world. I'd never met anyone so beautiful. I didn't know what to do. So, I nodded and said, I'm Alejandro. Brandon held out his brown hand, hairless arm at an angle, and said, Welcome to the Arcanian. So we can finish off with a bit of self-promotion. Have you got any anything you want to promote? Any book stories or anything? Well, we have the um I mean the magazine is Tree and Stone magazine. Um you can find it at tree-and-stone.com. Um I'm on Twitter at Kevin the Druid. Um also on Instagram, the same the same name. Um we have um the issue para el pueblo which is open now for submissions um, until November 11th, I think, is the, the last day. Um, this may but, air after that, but oh, okay. <laughs> it's good to know anyway. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 
But um, if not, if if it is, we expect it. <laughs> it is coming. <laughs> in, I'm sure it's coming soon. Um, and yeah, we have many other issues um, of Korean Stone coming out. Um, if you want to find also stories about me, there is a link tree in my in my bio on Twitter, so um, you can find all these things. But my website is kevinmkason.com. Um, um, and so you can, there, I have all my stories there. This, the other thing I'm overcommitting to is trying to write reviews. Um, <laughs> I know it's that on your indie, website as well. Yeah, for like indie, um, kind of indie small press, um, um, magazines. I'm trying to do reviews because I don't have enough to do. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> like, why did I decide to do? Why not? So, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to do too many. They're not going to be, you know, I'm not locust, so I can't do the tomes and tomes of, 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 of reviews, but I'm going to, I'm going to do a few. So I'm going to try to do them. So, um, but yeah, I'm always trying to do something. So I'm around. Yeah. Lovely. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast and chatting about everything with me. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's it's wonderful. And thank you so much again for your support and your help. Oh, no, of course. Um, so I guess that is it for another episode. I'll be back in another week with another Idol Inca. Um, but yeah, that's it. So goodbye from both of us, I suppose. Yep, bye. Bye.